Hey everyone, and Happy New Year! Before we get into the first episode of 2024, I wanted to bring you up to speed on a very exciting announcement. Many of you know my friend Farah over at the Conversation Cabin, and of course you guys know that Farah's show has been one of my favorites for the better part of a year. In light of that, I do admit that this announcement is a bittersweet one, because as of January 1st, the Conversation Cabin will be Studio Sinister, a podcast exploring the stories that haunt us all. Oh, and I will be joining Farah in this spine-chilling studio as the show's spirited co-host. Don't worry, Haunt's podcast isn't going anywhere. I'll still be here each week to explore the world of paranormal research with you all. But if you're craving more sinister stories, or if you're wondering how he managed to tame a henchman of the undead, then this may just be the show for you. If you guys like haunts, then you'll be sure to love Studio Sinister. Our first episode drops tonight at midnight, Central Standard Time. But if you can't wait, make sure to stick around till the end of the episode for a sneak peek of the show. I hope you guys are as excited as we are about Studio Sinister. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the episode. The term fraud is constantly used when speaking in terms of spiritualism and mediumship. Of course, this is not to say that psychic mediums and spiritualism as a whole are fraudulent by nature. It's just that it's nearly impossible to separate the truly gifted from the extravagant yet mundane. Take, for instance, the story of the Fox sisters, two young mediums whose work marked the beginnings of the spiritualism movement here in the United States. Now, it's worth mentioning that these sisters were in fact gifted, just not in the way you might think. You see, after years traveling the country, holding seances in front of countless crowds, it was discovered that the Fox sisters built their career on misdirection. I guess instead of second sight, these girls were blessed with a few double joints and a propensity for sleight of hand. Suffice it to say, the field of mediumship is riddled with performers, just like the Fox sisters. Sure, they are entertaining and talented in their own rights, but at the end of the day, the vast majority are just ordinary people who one day hope to accomplish extraordinary things. Notoriety was likely the driving force behind these theatrics. I mean, the pursuit of fortune and fame would have almost certainly blurred the lines between what's normal and what's paranormal, which in turn gave legitimate mediums somewhat of a bad name. But what happens if those roles were reversed? If untold riches in public interest were offered in return for proof of the paranormal? It's an interesting concept, don't you think? Well, back in the 1920s, Scientific American certainly did, which is why they ultimately decided to put the idea to the test. In exchange for $2,500, this publication was asking for proof of psychic phenomenon. Oh, and at least according to Marjorie Crandon, proof is exactly what they found. I know, it's a bold claim to make, but it was made nonetheless. So let's take a closer look at Marjorie's story to see if she could, in fact, put that money where her mouth was. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned.
As we discovered back in episodes 17 and 18, Harry Houdini spent the last years of his life engrossed in a bitter feud. At the time, Harry was a staunch skeptic when it came to the spiritualism movement. In fact, he often equated the concept of mediumship to his own line of work. As far as Harry was concerned, spirit mediums were simply just illusionists and nothing more. So, in 1922, when Scientific American offered up thousands of dollars in prize money for conclusive proof of psychic manifestations under what they called test conditions, well, as you can imagine, this concept didn't sit right with Mr. Harry Houdini. Evidently, he, like many of us, felt that financial incentives would never produce an objective outcome in a study such as this. Perhaps he was right, although not everyone agreed with Houdini. In fact, his own rival, Nina Marjorie Crandon, was quite excited about this contest, seeing as she was in the running for that $2,500 prize. So, by now you're probably wondering, who exactly is Marjorie Crandon? And for that matter, why did she and Harry Houdini have it out for one another? Well, in order to answer those questions, we need to travel back in time about 100 years. It was the fall of 1918, and after years of bloodshed, a world at war was finally returning to some semblance of peace. That is, until a new virus gained a foothold out in the Midwest. Apparently, things had started out like any other cold and flu season, but by the end of that year, roughly one-third of the world's population had been infected with influenza. I know, it was a volatile time, to say the least. Especially for people like Mina Crandon, who were finding themselves caught in the middle. You see, Mina spent the latter years of her 20s holding the lines on two fronts. During the First World War, she worked as a civilian ambulance driver for a naval hospital in New England. Then, after the war was over, she married Dr. Leroy Goddard Crandon, and given their occupations at the time, well, it's likely that the couple understood the severity of this budding pandemic. In other words, the Crandons were subjected to a great deal of tragedy throughout the earliest years of their marriage. So, as did many at the time, they turned to spiritualism as a means to connect with those dearly departed. And to Mina's surprise, she found that she had quite the talent for spirit communication now, it was that talent that propelled Mina into a very successful career as a psychic medium. Operating under the name Marjorie Crandon, she actually became one of the few mediums to stump any non-believers. Well, all except one, ye old skeptic himself, Harry Houdini. As dry as it may sound, Marjorie Crandon's legendary career began in a crowded lecture hall. It was the spring of 1923, and surprisingly at that time, Mina and her husband Leroy were relatively skeptical of the spiritualism movement. But even still, Dr. Crandon harbored a morbid sort of curiosity for the subject. 
so when a lecture covering the topics of mediumship and seances was scheduled in Boston, the couple decided to attend. The lecture itself focused on the mediumistic interactions between a man named Oliver Lodge and his son who was lost in the war. Evidently, the evidence that Lodge presented throughout the course of this lecture was quite compelling, because by the end of the presentation, Dr. Crandon was a full-blown believer in the supernatural. Now, in the weeks that followed, Leroy's fascination began to grow. So for Mina, it really wasn't a surprise when her husband suggested that they hold a seance in their home. They invited over a handful of friends and built their own seance table, complete with candles for added ambiance. I'm sure this posse didn't expect anything to happen at first. After all, none of them were trained mediums, and they had very little experience when it came to the paranormal. So you can imagine their surprise when the table began to levitate and tilt. While the group was taken aback by the success of their first seance, they were nonetheless curious as to what they owed the pleasure. I mean, like I said, none of them were trained mediums, and yet one of them had seemingly conjured a spirit into their midst. So they began the process of elimination, with each attendee leaving the circle one at a time. As each turn passed, the table continued to tilt and turn. Well, that is, until it was time for Mina to leave the circle. So it would seem that Mina Crandon was in fact a skilled psychic medium, whether she knew it or not. More on that after a brief word from our sponsor. Now, in the year that followed, Mina took up the stage name Marjorie Crandon and developed her own signature approach to spirit communication, one that involved a cabinet and a ghost named Walter. I should explain. Evidently, in the days leading up to that initial seance, Marjorie Crandon paid a visit to a psychic herself. According to that medium, Marjorie was being followed by the spirit of a young man, and after a bit of back and forth, the pair discovered that this ghost was that of Marjorie's brother, Walter, who had died in a train accident back in 1911. So that accounts for Walter's identity. But what about this cabinet that I touched on earlier? Well, throughout her career, Marjorie utilized a device called a spirit cabinet, which was more or less a wooden armoire that supposedly had the ability to conjure the dead. Marjorie would travel with this cabinet, using it as a means to contact her late brother during public demonstrations. Of course, that claim does seem a bit out there, but it's worth mentioning that these demonstrations came with a slew of eyewitness accounts. You see, those who attended Marjorie's seances reported hearing sounds emanating from the cabinet. These noises included everything from rapping to music and even the disembodied voice of a man who claimed to be Walter. Needless to say, Marjorie Crandon and her spirit cabinet gained a great deal of public interest during the first year of her career. That fact became doubly true in the spring of 1924, when she entered into a contest calling for psychic mediums to share proof of their abilities. And for a while there, it seemed that Marjorie Crandon was the real deal. 
In fact, up until July of that year, she was Scientific American's frontrunner for being the world's first bona fide psychic medium. Although this is not to say that Marjorie didn't face a great deal of scrutiny. And in the end, she did ultimately miss out on that cash prize. But more on that in a moment. Now, as a quick aside here, I'd like to take a moment to discuss the contest itself. Because while the approach may have been a bit unorthodox, it's worth noting that this contest was also quite stringent. You see, Scientific American wasn't exactly chomping at the bit to part ways with $2,500. So the proof that they were looking for needed to come on their terms. Meaning that any psychic medium who entered into this contest would only be considered if they could showcase their abilities under, quote, scientific controls. In other words, those who participated in this study were basically examined under a microscope. And Marjorie Crandon, of course, was no exception to that rule. In fact, between the months of April and July of 1924, Crandon demonstrated her abilities in front of a judging committee on 90 different occasions. And for what it's worth, they were pretty much convinced. Well, that is, until Harry Houdini planted a seed of doubt in their minds. So let's circle back to this feud between Marjorie Crandon and Harry Houdini. As many of you are likely aware, Houdini dedicated the latter years of his life to debunking claims of psychic phenomenon. So when Marjorie started making waves as a psychic medium, Harry couldn't help but to investigate her so-called abilities for himself. It was towards the end of Marjorie's participation in this contest that Harry started to attend her public demonstrations. In total, he was only present for five of these seances, although that was really all he needed to dissuade the judges from crowning Marjorie Crandon as their winner. You see, at each of these demonstrations, Harry came prepared with his own tests for Marjorie and Walter to undergo. On one occasion, for instance, he constructed an elaborate box for Marjorie to stand in throughout the entire seance. This box would then greatly restrict Marjorie's movement, and by that logic, prevent her from faking any psychic phenomenon that may or may not follow. I know, like I said, the test was elaborate on Harry's part, but it's worth mentioning that Marjorie passed with flying colors. In fact, the box itself broke while she was confined within it, and according to Marjorie, Walter had been to blame. I'm going to pause now for a final word from our sponsor. Now, even in spite of her success with these assessments, Houdini's efforts had nonetheless cast doubt on Marjorie's overall facade. So in July of 1924, Marjorie Crandon was ultimately eliminated from the contest and Scientific American was forced to rule her case as inconclusive. Although this is not to say that the scrutiny was over for the renowned medium. In fact, between 1923 and 1927, Marjorie participated in nine independent studies 
all in an effort to substantiate her mediumistic abilities. During each of these investigations, Marjorie was able to manifest an array of kinetic and seemingly paranormal incidents. Spectators heard knocking and disembodied voices. They witnessed furniture moving on its own accord. And on a few occasions, they even discovered that Marjorie had the keen ability to produce ectoplasm from various orifices of the body. Now, for what it's worth, all nine of these studies were either inconclusive or even favorable, meaning that none of them could say beyond a reasonable doubt that Marjorie had been a fraud. So, I guess, in the end, Marjorie Crandon had, in fact, shared conclusive proof of psychic phenomenon, whether Harry Houdini liked it or not. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic, I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at hauntscast, or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting. As the moonlight pierces through the dark, paranormal enthusiast and best friends, Farah and Courtney venture deep into the woods, armed with flashlights and a sense of adventure. Farah, are you sure this is a good idea? Sure, I'm sure. We're paranormal investigators. We're not scared of any ghosts. What was that? Uh, probably some animals. Oh my god. My flashlight is going out. Following the chilling sounds, the two stumble upon an abandoned and haunted building, its dark silhouette looming over them. Look, there it is. The abandoned radio station. It's supposed to be mad haunted. Let's be careful. We don't know what's inside. Wow, look at this place. A long growl is heard coming from behind the girls. They turn around slowly, and to their surprise, a zombie is standing in front of them dressed to the nines, wearing a 70s bell-bottom hot pink and purple leisure suit. Who are you pasty-looking females, and what the heck are you doing in here? Who are you calling pasty? Nice suit. Did you raid Barry Manilow's wardrobe, or did John Travolta have a yard sale? Uh, sorry about that. We didn't mean any harm. We're just curious about this place. Curious, huh? Well... Come with me, I got something to show you. And as they wander deeper into the building, they uncover vintage studio equipment covered in dust and decay. Farah, you were looking for a new place to set up your podcast, right? And this is it. Whoa, whoa there, sweet cheeks. No, 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 don't worry. We'll make it worth your while. We love the strange and unexplained phenomena, true crime, macabre, and the sinister. And hey, you'd be a great touch to the show. 
Maybe be an announcer for us as well. Mm, that does sound stellar. I'm in. A few minutes later, 12 seconds later, three weeks later, many months later. Okay, we're rolling. Welcome to Studio Sinister Podcast. Where we explore stories that haunt us all. And then we'll go make a fresh kill to celebrate. Dawn. Uh, just kidding. Join Farah, Courtney, and Don the Zombie on the 1st, 10th, and 20th of every month for some rad, chilling stories. And if you piss your pants, that's your problem. Come embrace the haunt. See you soon, Sinister Seekers.